Welcome back to Pertaining to People, a podcast about all things anthropology and archaeology. We're your hosts, Jill, Lulu, and Kelsey. It's been so long since we've done this. I am almost like forgetting how to. <laughs> My gosh. Um, and on that note, sorry, listeners, that it has been so long. It's been a ridiculous semester. It has been very overwhelming with everything being online and obviously the state of the world is a huge part of that but happy holidays happy new year because this will be released in 2021 but so (laughs) for this episode we thought we'd do something a little bit different um we've had tons of professional people on on our podcast and so we thought we'd go the complete opposite and have my boyfriend (laughs) luke smith (laughs) Oh, hello. <laughs> I'm very professional. Uh-huh. I'm an expert in all kinds of things. Luke has is is not an anthropology or an archaeology student or professional. He is is just my boyfriend. That's it. Yeah, that's my special qualification. Does he have a just job? keep him around? Does, does he have a qualification at all? Yes. yes. <laughs> is he just hanging out? No, he just sits in the apartment. I have a job. <laughs> so, so Luke works in an outdoor store, but he, and he's going back to school actually in January, but for IT. So just very yeah. completely different. I should also say I live with Jillian, for, and we have lived with each other for what almost three years. Yes. And so, like, I, I, I'm around this stuff. Do I don't know? And I think my favorite thing is that I, I like to. I'm gonna pretend I know a bunch of stuff I don't. But um, so his qualifications are being charming and funny, and yeah. and a generally smart person. I have a driver's license. <laughs> and hearing it's CV time. Um, no, but and just hearing he has been around for pretty much every recorded episode, or heard it while I was editing it, or whatever. So, um, although not listened to it consistently, Huge ter- fan. terrible fan, Huge fan, the worst, not helping our, our viewership or streaming. That's ship. not true. Actually, <laughs> I, I have helped. <laughs> okay. You're going to hate this. I'm going to tell people, I don't care. I have totally like listened to parts, but played almost every episode just like in the background. To, to add a couple of views. Aww. <laughs> That's both frustrating and, and weirdly sweet. So. That's very sweet. <laughs> I mean, he listened to them being recorded, so brownie points for that at least, right? Not right. Exactly. just the fact that he was, you know, trapped in there in quarantine with you. He's part of the crew. We're Casty's crew, but now he's cast. <laughs> it bums me out you don't have a name for the listeners yet. Like, yeah, we don't hey, have my it. little strawberries. Like, don't, you know. <laughs> Just people. Hey, people. <laughs> oh, the pertaining to people. People. <laughs> it's probably people listening. Unless they, like, play this at the zoo. What if we had a bunch of primate <laughs> listeners? Well, I guess people in primates. We do anyway. Could people we, are yeah. primates. People are primates. People and primates. Hey, primates. <laughs> other living things. What if plants are listening? People, primates, and plants. Oh my god, you're all such nerds. Well, you know, we gotta be more inclusive. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so with that all being said, um, one of Luke's interests that he's gotten me into, same as I like to think I've gotten in- him into anthropology and archaeology, um, is video games. 
So we thought that today we would talk about, you know, video games and their representation of, of you know, past times and how archaeologically correct they are, but also just generally sort of like media and archaeology in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so what <laughs> happened for this was we were trying to decide a theme last night and I said, hey, Luke, what should we talk about? And he said... Assassin's Creed. So that's going to be the main topic here. But we might dip into how historically accurate is uh, Mario Party. (laughs) You know, did the Mushroom Kingdom... Spoiler alert, (laughs) zero percent. Not at all. Good Good to know. Glad. Do we have um, the stats? I mean, I'm sure there are some Italian plumbers with a mustache. So you gotta... Oh, it really happened. (laughs) I feel like, yeah, the the way that they said... Everybody has a Waluigi evil character. You know that. Yeah. That's right. Always. Yes, yeah, the so. wall version of people. Exactly. exactly. Wall Kelsey's out there. Yeah. Walulu. <laughs> Walulu's right. <laughs> Walulu would be so evil. Walulu would be so bad because real Lulu's so good. <laughs> like, you know? So, okay. You are the wall version. <laughs> Wait, I'm the wall version. No, you're the wall. <laughs> People named Walter are just sitting there like wah. Walter is just out there. Just... Wah Walter. Oh boy. Okay. Wah Walter. <laughs> um. <Okay>. Anyway. <laughs> so, so yeah. Okay. I personally haven't done too much video gaming. Um. No. Mm. Yeah. I. Like, oh, I was just, I did play Among Us very recently with a bunch of graduate students, but... Also extremely historically relevant. Yeah, and especially for graduate students, it felt like our lives. We were just going around doing mindless tasks, and you were an imposter, or you felt like an imposter, and I was like, this is so, this is just my life. Why are we playing this? And then cutting everybody's heads off. It's not relaxing, you know? (laughs) Just, yeah, university students with imposter syndrome. It's That's all it is. Exactly. It is also a very cutthroat um, <laughs> game. Yeah, you're just voting. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I do remember, I have fond memories uh, in my undergrad, though. I did not ever play Assassin's Creed, but I lived with two guys, Will and Alex, and Alex studied engineering, but Will was studying history, and he would actually play, they would play a lot of video games, and he was playing Assassin's Creed in our living room all the time, so I would just sit and watch at times, and I remember at one point he came into my room and he knocked on the door, he's like, Kelsey, I'm starting this new game, and I think you're gonna really like it, so like, you might want to come watch, and it was, I think, looking into it, I think it was Assassin's Creed 3, but Luke might know better, Mm -hmm. it was the one, yeah, like, I think it was like First Nations, maybe like an Iroquois village, and you were like, gathering and going around and you start like kind of at the beginning and I was just watching I was like this is really cool I didn't know video games kind of had that and that was like my first little introduction and I was like that's so interesting so I didn't even that's know. Assassin's Creed 3 that's right it's like Civil War times I think yeah that's also the one I have it's not it's the revolution oh it is yes thank you I never played it I have played many, but I have not played this one. Well I'm here to fill it in. I it was a while it was I had a Hamilton phase. Mm. <laughs> and Wait, so, we so played... it was a while ago. Go ahead. Uh, so we, so I, I played that one. My sister has my my sister is the gamer in the house, so she has that one. Um, but I really I wanted to play Odyssey, 
because I'm mm-hmm. also a nerd for the Greek. And um, I haven't, but I was thinking of like watching a little bit of a playthrough, but then I was like, it's going to spoil it for me, even though I I don't know when I'm going to play that. Yeah. It's also like a hundred hours long. So I feel like you could watch like five hours of a playthrough and still be like, great. I know nothing. I (laughs) I don't know anything about what happened. It's like watching the first five minutes of a movie. um, One of my friends, uh, you guys know David, um, he played... He played the, like, Paris one, I think, and he said, yeah. or Boston. I'm not really sure, but he played one of them, and then he went on a trip there, and he was like, I knew how to get around. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a story out on the internet, who like, which also, it's on the internet, who knows if it's really real. But the story is about a, uh, a student group in Rome, I believe, and they got really lost trying to get somewhere and then the like quiet kid just like pipes up and he's like i know where to go and he apparently had played assassin's creed yeah the rome one and was able to get them where they were trying to go because it is actually quite accurate yeah and so yeah just video games saving lives out here yeah uh well i mean i know that like especially when it comes to urban centers like urban traversal these these games are weirdly accurate i mean whether it has any real like uh archaeological or anthropological relevance like they are pretty darn close Mm -hmm. uh in assassin's creed odyssey which is excellent by the way uh not just as a game but uh i i looked into it today because i actually prepped barely but i did um it is one of the more accurate uh representations of ancient greece like just in general uh like in media sure but like like it's a 3d rendered world uh obviously the like the distances between things on a national scale are obviously shorter because you don't want to be in a boat for like five days Mm -hmm. but uh in general uh the locations are roughly where they would be so you can move between cities yeah, it's like a whole interactive world. Like, it's huge. Uh, and uh, it is, it, it, you know... That made me so excited. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, Marathon is in the right place. Sparta is in the right place. And uh, it's, like, weirdly small. And, like, the architecture is ugly as hell compared to, like, Athens. Well, like, it's weirdly they detailed. Like the new Spider-Man game, I think, which is set in... Um new york city obviously they like they they made new york but they like Mm -hmm. cut streets out and stuff just to make it like smaller yeah but that's really cool that they like like all the cities are accurate it's not um cutting corners same with origins as well the map is obviously smaller but it's ancient egypt Mm -hmm. and everything is in the right place it's just less boring because there's less like endless desert to die in (laughs) that's so cool what I feel like is the archaeological and like anthropological relevance of it, right? Is like how you can recreate these historic worlds of the past through a video game and then get people like interested and excited about it, right? Like if you can become like enthralled in the past through this experience and through like playing this video game, then you're like extra want to learn about it and want to like become interested in it. And I did find in my like preliminary little uh, search through in our uh, planning prep a little bit i did that there was a thesis written in 2018 on indigenous representation and the impacts of video games on indigenous identity 
by Nathan Legace um, from the University of Manitoba, which I thought was really interesting, and, like, how Assassin's Creed and various, like, portrayals might, like, be represented. And I know, like, Assassin's Creed might not be the best example, but sort of that, like, first-person gameplay and sort of that survival and how you can, like, recreate maybe experiences of the past, um, like, through some of these video games. And then, like, some examples... Uh, that I had heard about before is, like, have you guys heard of that Never Alone video game? No. No, I haven't either. It's, like, a puzzle platform game, but it's all about, it's by indigenous content creators, and it's this Inupiat tale, basically, and it's about this Inuit boy and this dog, and then they, like, go on a journey, and they, like, um, yeah, it's all about, like, Never Alone. They're, like, always on these, yeah, yeah you have to solve these puzzles with them, and it's really cool. So there's, like, that for like indigenous led and created content and then like another one this is the one that that um the br guy at the university told me about it's one called the dark the long dark so that was recently brought up to me as an awesome example of like a first person survival game based in like british columbia and it was actually like created it was so it was put out by hinterland studios released in 2016 but it's basically like the idea that you would like crash landed in British Columbia and then you just have to like survive in the like frigid Canadian wilderness for a whole year and like build everything up from the ground up and like all the material culture you're like building yourself and you're like working with all the like seed of yourself and you're learning how to like weave it and do all these like traditional activities and that's like engaging you in these like historical activities and processes and like working with the material culture and like reconnecting to the past in a way mm -hmm. but through this like interactive and fun medium which I just think is like so cool and I thought like I don't know like how accurate like is Assassin's Creed and having like played I don't really know much about it and you're like prep did you guys learn anything about it or like so just before we go too far I feel like we should maybe talk about like what Assassin's Creed is for our listeners if they don't know mm -hmm. because you can answer that in a second sure um but anyway so Assassin's Creed the series originated out of ideas for a sequel for the Prince of Persia the Sands of Time and it's created by Ubisoft and actually uh, Mon uh, Ubisoft Montreal. So out yeah. of Canada, out of Quebec. So it, it was developed out of that. And then it was trying to make it into like an open world approach. And so then out of this came um, the Prince of Persia Assassin. I think. Yes is what it says on the interwebs. Um, and so you control an assassin that served as a bodyguard for a non-playable prince, and that's why they called it that. And then they didn't really like that without the prince as a playable character, and so then they suggested the name Assassin's Creed, playing off this creed of assassins. And then, so that sort of started the first one. And the, the release was in 2007 for Assassin's Creed. And that started this whole thing. And so I don't actually know how many Assassin's Creed there are in total. But there's, there's 10 of them. In total. Okay, wonderful. So there's 10 in total. So there's one, the first one, and then two and three, mm -hmm. which two focuses on... Uh, Ezio Eldatore in Venice and other places. Sure. And then um, um, Assassin's Creed uh, 3 was, what, the American Revolution? Yeah. In, in uh, 18th century New England. Ooh. And then it, yeah, and then there's, there's many more. So there's focuses, yeah, 10 in total. And mm -hmm. so there's focuses on Venice, uh, ancient Egypt, Greece... And 
it's yeah, it's really cool as an idea for for video games. Now mm-hmm. you can answer the question, which I totally remember. <laughs> what was your Assassin's question? Assassin's Creed Kelsey? is a very popular video game series. <laughs> uh, what was the question exactly? Uh, how historically accurate would you say it is? Oh, so so okay, so what are your credentials? Which ones have you played? So. I have played Assassin's Creed 2 with my boy Ezio Aldatore. I have played uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which I think is four uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. It's a lot of piracy stuff. It was fun. Uh, I've played Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Piracy as in being a pirate, not like... Video game piracy <laughs> or movie piracy. Uh, I've I've done... Uh, oh, I've played... Uh, buh, 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 buh. Uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, which is 1860s London. I've played Origins, which I don't actually know exactly what year it's set in, but it's uh, ancient Egypt. Then I did, I've played Odyssey, but I never finished it because it's a million years long. And I'm playing Valhalla right now. Uh, Odyssey is obviously ancient Greece, and then uh, Valhalla is uh, Viking times. It's uh, the 8th, 8th century uh, although there's some anachronistic stuff, like it could technically be said about 200 years in the future, like from like in uh, the 10th century, and apparently it would be more accurate, but it's just because they wanted to include some architecture, like churches and stuff in it that look pretty, uh, but it's kind of anachronistic. And also, uh, it's a little bit more like myth related. It just tends to you know, err on the side of a little bit more mythological, this this most recent one. But the two, from what I understand and from my research, to answer the question, uh, it's very uh, accurate. Uh, and uh, the most accurate ones are Origins and Odyssey. But mm-hmm. I actually have a question for you that's very much related to this. Because basically the conclusion that I came to when I was when I was looking into this stuff was that almost all of the things that are wrong or not like they are clearly not part of history historically incorrect yeah things like uh in odyssey they don't use shields or something like that or uh the boats are like they they uh, they sit higher in the water in real life than they do in the game and it was like a tactical there's like a real tactical reason for it or uh oh there's no uh there's a specific kind of spartan warfare or uh battle tactics called uh uh phalanx right yeah the phalanx formation yeah that's not in the game at all and that kind of stuff those sacrifices are made or changes are made because it makes the game more fun right Mm -hmm. phalanx isn't that fun to look at because it's not that sexy of a way to fight Mm-hmm. Uh, so my question for everybody else is like, where do you think the line could or or not necessarily should be drawn? Because it's still a form of, of entertainment. But like, where would you try to draw the line between being honest about the past and also creating a compelling form of media? Hmm. Does that make sense? Is that yes, a that's a yeah. long question, but I think you get what I mean. I think. It like obviously you need to make changes in order. Like first of all, history is not like a compelling like beginning middle end story so just to to make that happen even you need to like have some sort of leeway um i think i think movies are a lot worse in the amount of liberty they take um especially in terms of like ancient history um 
it's kind of atrocious. Um, <laughs> but I think something like like how high a boat is in the water, like it, that's not gonna affect yeah, somebody's sure. understanding of like history. Oh, you know what? There was one that someone pointed out is that in in Odyssey, Spartans have a navy. Period. And in history, <laughs> they never ever did at all. Okay, that's so, kind of that's that's a little. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> I there is like this whole subdiscipline of like archeo gaming that I feel like looks so intensely at all the like aspects of the gameplay and like looks like at that as the material culture, like the graphics and the design as the architecture and like the material culture and the beautification of individuals. But yeah, I don't know. I think getting into that, like it would just depend on like who's portraying the narrative and the history and like if it's Assassin's Creed, if it's being made and who's like telling that story. And then like, yeah, what, I guess, is being told as compared to all the, like, really minute. But, I don't know, depends. That could alter our perception of it. So, I don't know. What do you think, Julia? I think think that's a very good point. And, like, I think the larger version of that is what is the purpose of the game, of the media? Like, what are they, yeah, like, what are they trying to portray? Who is portraying it? That's a Mm -hmm. really good point. And that is the thing that gets sacrificed, right? That like that dictates what gets sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Because if the point of a game is to is warfare, for example, like it's it's a kill people game, then that's what's going to be focused on. And so there might be it might be very historically accurate in that sense, but they're going to sacrifice other parts of history. They're going to sacrifice depicting what general life was like for the average human they're gonna sacrifice maybe um accuracy within the architecture or or things like that possibly Mm -hmm. like it it depends on what the focus of the game is or the focus of the media is that will ultimately decide how accurate it is and also how important that accuracy is i think yeah i totally agree if you're playing something like laura like laura croft or Indiana Jones or something that's depicting like archaeology as that treasure hunting commodity to be like obtained and stolen and trafficked versus mm-hmm. if you're playing yeah. something like that opening of Assassin's Creed 3 where you're like experiencing the daily life of an indigenous person pre-contact like hopefully I don't know how much influence they actually had from indigenous peoples but hopefully influenced by indigenous peoples and then you're like having that experience and gaining that curiosity in that organic way. I think then that's like, if there's a few little details about like how high the ship's floating in the water, like, and that, yeah. No, you know. fair enough. And that sparks interest, right? Then people talk about it. That, there yeah. you go. That's, that's the, we're archeo gaming right now. We're looking at all that, like <laughs> doing it. I think what would concern me is if like, that is the only source of that, historical perspective that people are getting yeah um mm-hmm. because then people are like very heavily influenced by like what they consume um like through the media instead of like actual like uh, there's there's this kid in my middle school who was obsessed with assassin's creed and we were doing like an assignment where my teacher said like you can pick whatever like whatever historical figure you want and do a presentation on them and he said, do they have to be real? <laughs> and he wanted to do, like, an Assassin's Creed character. Sure. And, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think, like, there is, like, a tendency to kind of 
go like kind of tell history through the eyes of the media where like for example like in in like especially like regency era movies where they like don't have accurate hairstyles or like they, they put on like modern makeup just so like it's pleasing to people nowadays and then that kind of like makes you think that like people had similar hairstyles to us or whatever um I think that's like a really small example but like I, I feel like because of like media we've consumed we have like expectations about what history actually was like that are not true so I think there is like a responsibility for like creators to have some sort of like historian or something to like participate in in um making these movies and like video games because mm-hmm. people need to have an accurate understanding of the past especially if like media is the most prominent way that people are having access to that which i would say it is nowadays like mm-hmm. it's it it really is for for most people you're you're we consume a lot of media every single mm-hmm. day and so i think that that is a really good point i think uh, i you know, from a, a, a social responsibility standpoint, I think it is good to have, yeah, to bring in a historian or something like that. And I think that also affects, you know, Kelsey, what you were saying about like the perspective, I think that is an important part of like a quite important part of this, like how we are portraying people, especially when it comes to say, you know, indigenous people or, um, marginalized groups or a stuff with some like things like that it can it can have a very negative effect if it isn't portrayed accurately or in a good way or however it might be like the thing that's brought up a lot about video games is that it can you know it ruins your brain and all this sort of stuff often from a a a violence perspective but I think also it can be from a um, whether it be, you know, sexualizing women or putting marginalized groups in a very negative light, it, it can absolutely do that. But if you're doing it accurately, or if you're, you know, if it's from, say, like, Indigenous people being rep- represented in a game that is made by Indigenous people, that is a very different story mm-hmm. than just, you know, maybe white male gays. Like, Well, then it's also like, if you're profiting off of somebody else's um, history. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. You know, this is, you, you got me thinking a lot about, like, I haven't played, I have not played uh, a Tomb Raider game in a long time. Uh, but I <laughs> but ha- you have? What? You've played a Tomb Raider game? I have only played one Tomb Raider game, like, years ago. I don't even remember what it was. It was on the PSP. Oh, okay. I've- Little fact about Tomb Raider I learned in our archaeology trivia the other day. When they first rendered her in the video game, they had to leave out one component of the design because it was too many pickle- pixels. Well, okay, it was, it was a trivia <laughs> question, so you'll have to guess. What was it? What do you think? It was definitely her boobs, no question about it. <laughs> it's too many pixels, they had to leave it out. But they, she had her boobs in the video game, so it was not that. Yeah. She did have her boobs in the video game. I don't know. I got a belly button or something was it her face it was her it was her braid it was her uh, ponytail her like long signature hair uh, hair her braid was was too many pixels they couldn't include it oh wait so so she didn't have her like oh like you know she's known for that yeah the ponytail ponytail so she didn't have that actually you know what i've seen videos of it and it i was i think i like saw luke looking watching a video or something like that and i was like she looks so her hair looks so weird 
Oh, that's so funny. Cool. Sorry, anyways, and then you're thinking about Tomb Raider. <laughs> uh, let's, no, 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 let's dissect this polygonal woman. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pixelated people. Um, I did play Uncharted uh, Golden Abyss recently, and uh, which is on the PS Vita, and also was released for PS4. And it it I it blew my mind how grossly commodified it, it is because the, the the quick version of the like I'm sorry to to sort of change the subject but um the 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 premise of the game is that Nathan Drake our our charming handsome swashbuckling hero um is this the one Nathan is, Fillion's in no okay Nathan Fillion is in an Uncharted game. <laughs> I think he's in so, a video game, but I'm not sure which one. But you said Nathan, yeah. so I was like, Nathan. Uh, so uh, Nathan Drake, our handsome hero, uh, goes to Columbia and is led by this guy who is straight up just trying to find like artifacts to sell. And the villain of the game is a Colombian local, like, He's affluent. I don't know if he's like a, a drug lord or something like that, but he he is portrayed as the villain. But through the whole game, they don't make any kind of like they 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 specifically say that it's his land and he's like he's trying to keep you from getting these artifacts from the local people who have been like living side by side with them. It is bizarrely like Eurocentric and like I I, I I was like, I'm the villain. I'm stealing these artifacts from local people. But like, do you, you yes. play it as like that's the mission, like you're supposed to do that and it's good? Yeah. And the bad guy, the 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 like the, the drug lord, he's certainly portrayed as like a guy who wants to murder people and like he's got a lot of armed guards and stuff like that, but I'm like, these are all like this man is a local business owner, and I'm here, like, flying in, stealing his shit. It, it, what I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is, in this, in this way, when we're talking about, like, what's narratively interesting versus what's even remotely accurate, mm -hmm. like, I would argue that it's a better plot to have a villain and a hero, and you're trying to protect these artifacts from the bad guy. But, like, I feel like they didn't think about it past, like, two sentences. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. a compelling narrative, but, like, I kept thinking, I'm like, I'm definitely the bad guy here. <laughs> so, apparently, Nathan, I looked it up, Nathan Fillion, his voice is in the Halo games. Oh. But it's, it's <laughs> not, it's definitely not Halo I was thinking about. Is that an actor? He is. He's from Edmonton. He's He was in Castle. Also, did you guys know that in Edmonton... This is way off topic. But in Edmonton... <laughs> he's also in Fire, Firefly. Um, in Edmonton, there was a petition to open uh, like a, a monument to Nathan Fillion called the Nathan Fillion Civilian Pavilion. And oh the city of Edmonton <laughs> rejected it. And yeah, I, no I would just like to uh, publicly voice my support for the Nathan Fillion Civilian Pavilion. I think it would bring a lot more tourism to the city of Edmonton. I'm impressed. Where they oh, have nothing. Edmonton City Council, Lulu's coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> While Lulu, this That's is like, your time to Walulu. shine. <laughs> <laughs> Walulu has been released. Oh, wow. <laughs>
Well, that's like the Shania Twain memorial. She uh, died. Memorial. No. What? No, she's no. dead. No. Sorry. No. Ah. Our, our, no. our our thoughts and prayers go out to, of course. No. <laughs> Shania Twain and her family. Um. No. There's there was a Shania Twain like museum that was opened up in her hometown in right. in Ontario. Um. She was born in. It's like a small Ontario. Oh, Windsor, 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 Ontario. And so they opened. Yeah, they opened up this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Windsor, nobody, nobody Ontario. goes there though. The ramshackle village what? of Windsor, okay. Ontario. I, that's a thriving metropolis. <laughs> Shot, shots fired. Kelsey's from Ontario. <laughs> Windsor. Okay, I lived in Northern Ontario, and I was dating a guy in Windsor, and it was hilarious. Because to get there, I'd have to take a plane for two hours, and then the ferry, and then I would take a via rail train for four and a half hours, and then I'd get on a bus just to see my stupid ass boyfriend. It would take two full days, and we lived in the same oh goddamn God. province. I just lived over by Manitoba, and he lived Ontario's over by Detroit. Huge. That guy must have been amazing. The hottest, coolest man in the world. Apparently, I wouldn't fly anywhere for anybody. Okay, so you know what? I Not I, even Jill? <laughs> no way. Nah. No chance. I see her too often already. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I, that's what I keep saying is like I lost my job as a flight attendant because of COVID. It's taken a toll on our relationship. I'm kidding. We're actually fine. But, I, you know, I used to be gone for three days every week. I was the one flying mm-hmm. away from him. So, you know, we don't need to fly to see each other. Come on. But anyway, that makes me stand by what I said about Windsor, Ontario. If it's that hard to get there, it's a, like, what is this place? No. How did they even produce someone like Shania? Yeah, honestly. You know what what I say about Windsor, Ontario? It don't impress me much. Oh. 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 <laughs> Boom, Windsor. Wow. Well, they tried to be impressive by building a Shania Twain museum, and then it was subsidized so much by the government that it they ended up they were paying like thirty dollars per person to show up there. Yeah. And then they finally it finally they were like, nah, we can't do this That's anymore. Right. And then they just completely just that's right. Ended the whole thing. Ten million dollars. Did Shania not support her own museum? Uh, no. Oh, wow. What was that? Uh, Ten million dollars of taxpayer money went into it before they were like, "This is a huge boondoggle." <laughs> this is this was such a waste of money. Yeah. We've been trying, but. <laughs> so, to anyone in Windsor, Ontario, we welcome you to dismount from your covered wagon, <laughs> and and contact uh, the podcast to tell us it's actually a great place to be. <laughs> Just absolutely decimating. They're gonna make Assassin's Creed Windsor, and it's gonna be set now. But it's just everyone living without electricity. No electricity. Is the ghost town? It's you see like other cities in like the distance, like in like the, and it's literally like a Wild West, yeah. like one street. Yeah, you no, but you try to leave to get to those other towns, and then you just get transported back into the middle of Windsor. Yeah. You're like, what the? You're pummeled I... by a giant tumbleweed, and then you end up back in the middle of the town. And your mission is to save the Shania Twain Museum. <laughs> oh. Yes. oh man, I don't want to play that game. 
I mean, okay, well, to try to bring it back, I guess, Wild West and Tumbleweed. Yeah. Sure. We, the days could be the, like, we, coins you collect as your, like, little... <laughs> um, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but, I mean, so, so a video game I have brought up before on the podcast is, like, Red Dead Redemption. Red Dead Redemption 2, specifically, that's the only one I've played. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But, which is a prequel to the original Red Dead Redemption. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. But, um, They're both great. But in terms of historical accuracy, and um, I think I, I mean, I think it's it is a really interesting game. It, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, but you're you know, within what we were talking about before, of you know, the point of the game is to. I mean, what is the point of the game? You ride around. You you you're trying to be a wild west boy in That's the right. in cowboy times. Legendary outlaw. Arthur Morgan. But it is, I think that is a good example of, of the perspective and what you're trying to get. Like, I think a certain amount of it is fairly historically accurate. I mean, you like go in to get your, your face shaved and then you, I think, I think the, what? I, I mean, that was, a, that was a weird like barometer for <laughs> yeah. Yeah. people shave. People had facial hair back then, which is completely accurate. Okay, and the whole straight razor, I feel like experience would have been a whole thing, you know, like back in the day. Thank you, yeah. thank you. That was what I was trying to say. And well, like his hair does grow, like That's it cool. grows throughout the game, and oh. so it's not just the like you are away and your hair stays exactly the same the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have to do some of these things that are very, like, mundane and would have been part of life. Of Like, you have to go shoot little animals and... Skin them. And skin them yeah. and, and eat them. Like, there are parts of it that are do seem quite historically accurate. That's right. That's cool. And they do incorporate a lot of the, like, mundane life that actually would have been... You know what? I like that. I feel like you know what you lost me at the beginning of this a little bit. The, you did. You did. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Just the I'm just that mundane aspect of everyday life, like counteracted with like the cultural relevance, like anthropologically today, of like red that game, and then like Lil Nas X and the like song and how what like I feel like even if that game wasn't historically accurate, like the cultural phenomenon it created is anthropologically relevant in the modern day and like what it spawned and all of the like mm-hmm. content that was created subsequent to that but anyways that was a little tangent yeah. so sorry you know you know what else is anthropologically relevant shania twain <laughs> i couldn't agree less i mean <laughs> she is a country singer that's there you go <laughs> there yeah and name name one of her tracks that isn't that don't impress me much which is up. the name that i i think it has up huh? what up yeah uh man okay. I feel, feel like, like a woman. Let's go <laughs> You obviously did not grow up in Ontario to know that every word to every Shania's cause it played in the only bar in town every night. <laughs> oh boy. Yikes. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I mean, okay, but the you, you know what? The obsession with country and the Wild West is a very real thing. That mm-hmm. is, I think and it's not just in anthropology, although you do honestly, I get really annoyed by it. Like there, I think I like archaeologists 
they so often focus on like the historical time period and they get so excited about like you know wild west things and they like find gun casings and they it's it's like seen as this very exciting thing but you know especially here in calgary oh boy yeah that's right we've created a weird cultural facade around the idea that we were all cowboys at one time or another and we love the stampede but it's you know it is a societal thing of this obsession with the wild west and even back in the day like there was an obsession in europe like in germany there was they were obsessed with the wild west the idea of it the you know the idea of pioneering and but honestly it wasn't that great of a time there was tons of disease not to mention the like absolute the horrible mistreatment of indigenous people but can i cut in for a second yes no 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 i'm sorry no 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 it's fine i i was gonna say because when you were talking about that i i thought i was like well i don't know how cult i don't know how um how historically accurate Assassin or uh, geez, Red Dead Redemption Two actually is, and I mean to a certain extent, obviously it's dramatized. There are things that are anachronistic and all that other stuff for 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 the benefit of gameplay. But the most memorable, most talked about, and arguably most unique gameplay mechanic in that whole game is all the shit that isn't missions and the sexy like cowboy stuff. It's like setting up camp. Uh, skinning animals and actually a large a large part of it is also you know exploration and you you open up more parts of the map as you move around Mm -hmm. and i think that is also one of the like glamorized sort of parts of that time period Mm -hmm. as well is like discovery which it wasn't yeah but you know like it didn't have google satellite of everything there was a point in time in that game when i literally followed a gila monster around just to see where it was gonna go and i can imagine a person with nothing to do in 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 those time periods being like sure i'll see where this big lizard goes (laughs) also spoiler alert skip ahead 15 seconds if you don't want me to uh, to spoil Red Dead Redemption 2, the man dies of tuberculosis. <sighs> the man dies of tuberculosis. Talk about historically accurate. It, it's a prequel. How does he die in a prequel of tuberculosis and then you still have the game? So Arthur Morgan is a, is a Red Dead Redemption 2, and then in Red Dead Redemption, the original one, which is in the... Later. Yeah, which is later on. That's, Chronologically. That's uh, John Marston different guy who is yeah and they both wear the same cowboy hat Ooh, my lady oh, so he found <laughs> yeah. dead guy's hat archaeology that no 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 they were best culture. friends oh. Aww. they were best friends <laughs> material culture yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay i'll shut up now no no it's fine. i was gonna say have you guys seen westworld hell yeah love that show because that game or, or not not that game it's a it's a show but I mean, within the show, it's kind of a game. Um, also, there is a VR Westworld game. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Buckle up, girl. Well, let, let me just explain what Westworld is for anybody that hasn't seen it. Um, it's based on the 80s movie uh, where you have, like, a, a, a kind of amusement parky world that really rich people can go to. Um, and everyone there is robots and you get to live your Wild West fantasy for however long you want to be there. 
and then the robots don't know they're robots and they just kind of reset all the time and you kind of can go on adventures like like quests like a like literally like a video game yeah and i think like watching that show i was like this is really like what video games give us it's like this experience that you're like like you're experiencing this other like world or time period or whatever not in in as immersive a way um obviously vr would be way more like immersive (laughs) yeah anyway that kind of connects back to like assassin's creed where you're like feel like you're this assassin in like paris like 200 years ago or whatever um and i think those like mundane things you were talking about really like make you feel like you're more in the world yeah yeah i think that's very true like that is ultimately the reason for for video games is like an escape it's a it's an immersive experience you get to do something that you don't do right the majority of your life and so i think that also ties back into like the historical accuracy of things and why that's important because you know if you're pretending you're in a different time period or a different you know a different era or a different place or or whatever if it's showing you something real that is real in our history, it should try to be historically accurate. Like if you're on an alien world where you, you know, speak in a completely different language Uh and you communicate with telepathy, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. But if, if you're in an actual time that actually happened with real people, it is important to have some historical accuracy because that Mm -hmm. is what people, and that's, you know, why media can be really, helping or hindering archaeology and the interest in archaeology and anthropology is if people get yeah something out of it and they get excited about it and then they go do their own research then ultimately that's we gain from that um as a discipline for sure it's also like a really interesting job opportunity for archaeologists if we get to like work on these movies or in video games uh absolutely that would be the coolest but also i was saying this earlier to luke and jill um like a lot of the current technology we have for like modeling or like 3d modeling and like recreating what like a site might have looked like and stuff comes from video game developers and the technology that they like have created for their purposes like it can be used for archaeological purposes as well so it's just a big circle of us using each other <laughs> yeah uh i have other questions if if if, if you're open to them absolutely yeah. i have at least two more that are hotly debated topics in video games and some of these are very stupid questions but they're ones that i, I would love to ask before you do that weren't you gonna say something about that and the notre dame oh sure yeah absolutely uh okay so uh y'all remember the notre dame cathedral uh, some people may have forgotten about it. It burned down some some years ago. Um, uh, it used to be a cathedral. I'm kidding, obviously. I know they rebuilt it already. Um, but uh, when that happened, uh, Ubisoft, Montreal, you know Ubisoft, uh, they released Assassin's Creed Unity for free. Mm-hmm. Which is the Paris uh, uh, video game, that, the, the, the Paris Assassin's Creed uh, game that uh, it actually didn't wasn't terribly successful when it came out. It was really buggy. It came out in 2014 during uh, the beginning of the PS4 and Xbox One console cycle, and they didn't know how to develop games for it then, and it turned out kind of horrible. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but uh, since then, they've fixed the game, obviously. And when the Notre Dame Cathedral burned down, they released the game for free because it was one of the uh, most detailed, uh, most photorealistic, and interactive ways to visit the cathedral from a time period before it had burned down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did use things like, like that are real practical things that people use in archaeological, um, uh, like digital preservation, uh, which is like photogrammetry and 3D scanning and all that other stuff, which I, I mean, I found uh, thrilling. Since then, they have actually duplicated a bunch of other stuff, uh, not quite in the same way because there aren't a lot of buildings in like ancient Greece or ancient Egypt that are. You know, not ruins. Not complete ruins. So mm-hmm. they recreated, uh, what's the library, that library that burned down? Alexandria. Yeah, they, they uh, the, that's right. Uh, and like, I, obviously we don't know exactly what it looked like, but I mean, like it is, uh, well, anyway, I think it's thrilling that I got to climb around in there and mm-hmm. kill a guy. That is cool. I, I had a meeting recently too with a guy actually out of Ontario who was developing uh, some ways of using 3D models in sort of like a video game capacity, maybe a bit for education and stuff too, but I I just think, like, it's not quite there yet. The same with, like, the VR we were talking about. The technology for a lot of consumer applications just isn't quite at the, like, it still looks a little, um, like, cheesy in a way, and I really do like, at least with video games like Assassin's Creed, it's a little bit more of a, a compelling interactive way of experiencing those spaces in a virtual realm mm-hmm. instead of through, like, some of the, yeah, trying to make more engaging digital media, but it's so hard, like, developing that, like, gain appreciation. It's, oh my gosh. Well, and Lulu, you were saying there's a massive overlap. There is. Right? Yeah. But I think, like, a thing is, like, video games are profitable, so obviously there's going to yeah. be... Mm-hmm. A, a huge like interest in um like technologically advancing them because they have mm-hmm. the money to do that yeah. um and i think that's why like archaeology borrows a lot from other disciplines because like we don't really have the money to figure things out for ourselves so when somebody else does it we're like we could use that um yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh there's like there's that. an amazing program called vorp x mm-hmm what it does is uh, it takes a first-person or third-person video game. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to modify the, the way that the game is presented through the coding to make it VR, to force any video game to make it VR. I, like, it comes to mind because you mentioned that there are 3D renders of these places all over, but the, the VR isn't quite there. Mm-hmm. They're probably using VorpX to to make it more accessible in VR. Oh, not even just necessarily the VR, but I just mean, like, our methods of interacting with those virtual models right now, the platforms and the software, just isn't at a level yet that's accessible to consumers. Sure. Well, and most people don't have what they need to have for it. Like, you know, not even enough. (laughs) Amazingly, I'm kidding, but you know, accessibility is a huge thing and not everybody has a laptop even. Mm -hmm. Like not everybody has, not to mention what type of laptop, what it can run, what capabilities it has. And so, 
yeah, it's it's to actually make it available to everybody is is very difficult. Yeah, no kidding. And I know some of the like heritage we collect with like, if it's First Nations heritage, it would have certain jurisdictions, and then also like uh, Creative Commons licenses and who like develops the software. Like some of it can't be used at all for any commercial purposes that would, mm. uh, yeah, create profit. So it depends. Like yeah, for archaeological heritage, there's a lot of additional layers i guess ethically and we get like on the policy side yeah um and legislation guiding how basically heritage can be interacted with and displayed in video games so it's really interesting but livingstone um in 2016 with some colleagues wrote a really interesting paper on archaeological storytelling in games which i thought was cool in a way of how like in the future, archaeology can be used sort of like what we were talking about as a way of retelling narratives and redefining history and getting people to get excited about history. And they even start proposing how it could be used as storytelling technique um, to exist within even environmental storytelling. And then I was thinking more like in archaeology too, like for developing games, teaching about archaeology, material culture, and environmental activism, like through archaeology in a way and through video games and how all these different ideas can kind of like work together to promote and engage because a whole generation is interested and engaged already with video games right like especially during this time when we are all isolated in our homes with stay home orders like Mm -hmm. it's a pretty good time to explore and like explore the past virtually or explore all these virtual worlds so i think it's a really neat opportunity and a cool time to be looking into all this and having these options available to be able to like interact with the past in these cool ways like something we really didn't get an opportunity to do in the past like be able to have that experience of like oh what was it like skidding a wild animal in the like you know in the frontier yeah that's right <laughs> turns out if red dead redemption is any indication it's exactly the same as taking off a wet sock yeah because that's what it looks like to skin a rabbit in that game and it's oh my God. terrifying yeah. don't look it up honestly a martin when you've got it on the pole it kind of has a similar like those weasels and the long things? Yeah, they kind of look like a gross-ass tube sock. Yeah. My dad's a trapper, so I've had these experiences also. In IRL. Um, the IRL. <laughs> IRL experiences yeah. of skinning an animal. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, is like video games will offer those people that their parents were not trappers. That's um, right. You get to try it. Or, you know... Without the smell, though. I feel like that's a very important part. Nothing like the rotting flesh in the sun. Oh, I'm I'm so grateful that... Yeah. I'm so happy that I don't get to smell any of the video games that I play. (laughs) Any of them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's one component that's definitely... A missing piece of that interactive component, you know? Like, the olfactory senses are never engaged mm-hmm. no thanks or no thanks. or if you're don gardner in in the arctic he would do experimental archaeology and he had to have his so don gardner is a lovely lovely man who lives in canmore but um, i've met him he's a wonderful beautiful soul a sweetheart but he um has always been very involved in you know arctic archaeology and material culture and and recreating a lot of you know inuit and paleo inuit um material culture Mm -hmm. and he has a shop and he makes these beautiful uh kayaks and everything anyway but he's also just like a hilarious hilarious guy with so many stories and when he was up in the in i think he was in greenland maybe it was the canadian arctic not totally sure anyway 
he had to stay way far away from all the other archaeologists because he was trying to figure out how people were doing things like you know working hides or whatever it happened to be and one of those things that he tried and that is an idea is to use urine and so his he had to stay so far away from everybody else because his his tent I don't know if he's been I don't know what he stayed in exactly but it smelled so bad that nobody wanted to be anywhere near it so actually though historic uh urine is pretty historically accurate for like curing things like like hides yeah. and, and and dyes exactly and but he just went for it he would try it all and so Pe- yeah people used to smell so bad we don't we don't like talk about this <laughs> they smelled horrible yep you like brain tanning? You're gonna like mush brain out and then leave it in the sun. It does that does not smell great. Yeah, and like the effect on your teeth yeah. too of like you know holding hide and stuff oh, like that. Man, you know, yeah. just we are so yeah. fortunate, right? To experience it through a video game. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. I'm so happy that I never have to live in the bottom, like in the the hold of a ship, eating hardtack biscuits for five months at a time. Yeah. I'm so happy that I don't have to cure my own meats. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy that I don't have to piss all over my tent. <laughs> I'm thrilled. I love it. It's amazing. That's the lesson Modern. of video games. Then. Oh gosh. Actually, that reminds me of like. This is also way off topic, but there's there was this Roman emperor. I don't remember his name. Um, I can't wait. Did he pee all over himself? No, 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 no. <laughs> so, so what they used to do in some Roman cities was they would have like pots in the corners of, of uh, streets for men to like do, like like pee into, and then um, like tanners and like um, people that like dyed cloth and like anyway they would grab that and it would be free pee for them to use when they were like doing their work ammonia oh, <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's the modern it's it's the ancient equivalent of selling your urine on craigslist so people can pass drug tests yes <laughs> but they were doing this for free and this roman <laughs> emperor didn't like that people were getting something for free so he started taxing the pee um, and now he's famous P-tax. for the for the P tax. Um, and also, Awful. like one of the French words for a urinal, is uh, the name of that emperor. So, anyway, how did wow. we go from archaeo gaming to a P tax? <laughs> Good question. Oh man, um, two two people with ADHD. But anyway, I would love a video game that had that historical accuracy, where you could pee in a pot on the street. <laughs> You start peeing in the pot, and then someone runs up to you, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Don't splash! Liquid gold! <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, are you ready for my question? Yes. Hit us up. Okay. Um, we might not these, have answers. These are specific questions. Some of them are very silly. Some of them are stupid or offensive. Uh, and some of them you may not know the answers to. But these are all questions... That come up and have occurred to me during my playthroughs of Assassin's Creed. And there's only about three of them, so don't worry about it too much. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Number one. Did people ever hook up in, like, an underground spring? Or was the past as sexy as it looks in my video games? Real question. No. Oh, man. 
I asked my supervisor about this because I had him trapped in a car for like 11 hours one time. And I was like, so tell me. Wow. Yeah, because I was very interested. And Sorry, you were inside the car or you trapped him inside we of a car? We were both in the car and we had a long time to kill time and talk. And I was like, what the hell are we sure. going to talk about? So I was like, I've been curious about this actually. Because he studied also the Arctic, right? And I was like, how? Like living in one room rooms for like the lot of the winter like people used to in the canadian arctic in the past i was like how did people go about their business in a you know romantic with sure let's say and yeah no it was definitely uh rules and taboos around um sex were completely different in all different places and time periods and yeah so like using the canadian arctic for an example maybe it might be more polite to like just turn your back as compared to like actually be in a different room or sure. anything like that. So there's just a lot of different... So I think it just... Like, of course, now in our, like, Western culture, what we define as, like, sexy and everything is, like, very different, I think, than what people would think of it in the past and in different cultures and different views. Like, it's so... It's so different how, like, beauty is perceived and standard. Like, it's... Yeah. Sure. Yeah. The only frame of reference I have is, like, ancient Greece, um, where, like attraction was one of my questions is about this too about ancient greece no no no, please answer it i'm just saying maybe i was just gonna say like attraction to women was considered kind of weird um and uh you would like preferably do the deed with your bros um so you would have a nice little party with the bros where you rely women weren't allowed except to serve you obviously food and drink um, and then wow. you guys would just like, you know, have a good time. And, um, yeah, it was weird to like, want to do it with your wife. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. And there was also a lot of the really terrible thing involving children. Oh so. yeah. Sure, that's so it. like older men would have a young boy that they would be kind of a mentor of. And part of your mentorship was like teaching them the ways of the doing it. Also known as rape. Rape. That's yeah. right. Guess what passed? We get to judge um, you from here in the future, and yeah. I don't like a thing you did. Also, I found the emperor. It was emperor emperor Vespasian who did a urine tax. So wow, 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 rotten hell, Emperor Vespasian. I that's what I say. That's where deference <laughs> comes from. F the monarchy. That's right. Yeah. Uh, okay, I have another question. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Uh, um, oh, oh, just really quickly. Also, people smelt terrible. Like that's part of it. It sure. was not sexy. Just everybody, like, no. We talked about this before. No. Got it. Anyway. They smelled bad. Yes. Um, I do have another question pertaining to sex, but I'll, I'll wait until uh, this after this one. Um, did people have weapons with, like, special, like, abilities, like poison, fire, uh, necrotic damages in some way or another, like... Yes. Uh, uh, and talk to me about those, please. I think there was some, like... My professor at Lakehead, he did residue, like chemical residue analyses on a lot of stone tools and a lot of uh, ceramics as well. And even some like pipes to find out what people were smoking and stuff. And I remember he did work on Otzi the Iceman on the arrowheads in his back. And I think they found some like evidence of some kind of, was it like a poison or something? I feel like there has been people using like poisons. Throughout, like, yeah, yeah, like poison darts, poison arrows, yeah, yeah. In Africa, I don't, I think it was maybe Bantu people, um, they would use, I believe, uh, poison soaked, um, arrows 
uh, not necessarily for humans, but for um, animals too. Sure. Um, and then it was obviously something that wouldn't like affect them. Like it was helped to kill the animal, but then, you know, it wasn't going to negatively affect them. But yeah, that was totally a thing. Okay. Another one. Were people openly gay? Because in the last three Assassin's Creed, or maybe only, no, maybe only in the last two, you can have straight up gay sex, gay relationships. You can hook up with people of the same gender. You can hook up with people of, of different genders. Uh, specifically with Vikings, dudes having sex with dudes, women having sex with women. And in Odyssey, there's straight up lesbian stuff. I didn't play the whole thing, but lesbian stuff early on in that game. I mean, I feel like that is like an, a fetishization. But I mean, as Lulu was just talking about, oh, I think we are um, behind. But as Lulu was just talking about with ancient Greece, that was absolutely a thing. Um, the homoeroticism was real. Yeah, you totally answered it, but... Uh... I think it really depends on, like, the culture and the time period, so I'm not going to say, like, yes, in the whole past, everybody was, like, okay sure. with that. But I think, like, especially yeah, after the Victorian a... period within our own culture, like, that's when a lot of it was, like, tabooed and, like, very not okay. Um, and especially, like, his like historians w would just completely ignore, like, evidence of, like, very um like like of like any sort of same-sex attraction or anything they would just be like oh those pals um yes but i think like right. n now um there's like a huge movement of historians that are like nope this is clearly gay like very gay <laughs> um yeah sure so yeah so answer yes there was gay people in the past <laughs> Yes. I, I i know that this is a stupid question these aren't all things that i'm necessarily mm. curious about but it's it's conversations that happen with gamers yeah. yes. where they're like why do i get to have gay sex in a viking game or whatever and i'm like i don't know that it matters did you choose to have gay sex in a viking game yeah so that was absolutely a thing things were very differently um just completely different in the past at various different times and sexuality and gender were very there was way more of a spectrum in a lot of cultures it's it's mostly just western culture that has has put on the you know put the boxes in place that are currently are and like an example would be um i'm pretty sure this is a derogatory um term but i i, I do apologize i don't actually know a, a better one but like the bird ashes in in the plains um were people that were like trans essentially and the idea of being trans is even like a colonial thing it was men that would dress and live like women and they were seen to have like special powers and they were like very um i've heard about this yeah in some ways they were actually sort of feared um but like the point is to say that like sexuality and and gender were just throughout time not never the set thing that they are now seen projected as societally now in western culture um yeah even like i remember cool. yeah i feel like we just need to remember that like historians rewrote the past right so we're like trying to learn from their narratives and then archaeologists of course are just interpreting the past so we're just basing that on like whatever like ideals are in place at the time we're making those interpretations but we have no way of actually like going back and knowing what people were doing 
actually back in the day, right? Like, the past is this, like, mm-hmm. obscure entity that we will never be able to achieve understanding of fully. Because, like, we can't yeah. go back to it. But I think it's really cool to be able to, like, explore some of those ideas. And, like, Jill, what were you just saying? I was talking about... So they were called bird ashes, right. which I think was French. But I actually... I can just amend that really quickly. I'm pretty sure that is uh, two-spirit oh, people. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... Um, there we go. Yes. Anyway. So, yeah. I also want to amend, it wasn't Otzi, did not have poison darts, so something else, but pretty sure people did use that in the past. And then also, oh yeah, the idea of identity and gender and sexuality reminded me of Diane Lyons, Dr. Lyons, one of the professors. I think in our social identity class, a lot of her research centers on uh, work in Ethiopia and how gender is constructed and how basically in her studies, she's been finding that like genders perceive that like women work with soft materials and men work with only hard materials and that people that transfer materials from that soft to hard like potters and uh, blacksmiths are sort of those perceived to be outside of that gender norm so it's like very differently perceived than what we would think of like outside the gender norm of like men and women right like it's very very different so placing those like understandings I guess within our concept of like how we form those relationships and our sexual experiences is very important when we look at the past because then it's like okay yeah we're thinking of it now as like a gay relationship but then it might not have been like perceived in that same way thank you by the way i understand these questions are not like they're they're a little offensive i get it but it's it's stuff that comes up all the time when we talk about specifically these historical games where people are like well the past wasn't like that and i figured i'd ask a group of women who know about this i feel like this came up a lot too like my family actually had a whole debate on christmas one christmas about this but it was actually about game of thrones and my one cousin was like oh it's so historically accurate it's great and my aunt was like no it's not like that was such an abuse of women and like all of it was so historically like there was no and she's like i don't understand like wait did this fantasy world game of thrones is historically accurate well no my my cousin was trying to say that like (laughs) oh this is how women were treated in the past blah blah and it's like no like why did he create all these fictional characters but then not create like why are women still being the ones like used and abused it's so messed up it's literally just like a men's yeah so it like it was this whole family debate it was very uh interesting i but think I, was like... I mean he he based a lot of game of thrones off of like actual historical events like the um the red wedding is actually like something that happened in like um i think british history and then like the the war of the roses is like the lancasters and, and the yorks and anyway but yeah, no, <laughs> no. not at all. Like not historic. No, but it's yeah, no. It's fictional, and and it mm-hmm. is told through the lens that of a modern day man too. Like it's yes. you know that is what it is. I have one last question. If we're game, do yeah. you, yes, you had something? I, oh, I just need to amend something. It was the San people that used poison-tipped arrows. I also looked up poison arrows, and it they were used by the Gauls, the ancient Romans, nomadic Scythians, and so on. So, answer yes. Poison darts and arrows were definitely a thing. Fantastic. Yes. Okay. Um, one last question, and this is the rudest of all. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Oh. Hey, did girls fight in wars? What? <laughs> Have women started any? Yeah. So did girls? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, did girls fight in wars? It's a genuinely stupid question. And shouts out to anyone who. Oh, is actually, this. I just but... did. Wait, I have a really interesting one for this, but I have to look it up. 
But uh, yes, in many of these you can play as a as a male or female appearing character, and uh, likewise you fight alongside many women. You fight against many women in these games, and that's the question. So, I think it's the same like reinterpretation of history where the methods we use to identify skeletons, quote unquote, like sex in the past was based on methods developed from skeletons of white men that died and non like um, some men of Asian descent who died in World War One and World War Two, and their skeletons were analyzed. And a lot of the interpretations we have to say like, hey. Vikings were men in the past, blah, blah, blah. That was, like, interpretations made by white men archaeologists in the past. And then these new interpretations were like, oh, these many, like, Vikings were actually women are just because we're, like, reinterpreting these methods being like, hey, these methods we are using have been flawed to make these, like, assumptions that we're now basing all of our other assumptions on that were flawed to begin with. So, like, yes, there was definitely sure. um, females, like, warriors and fighters in the past throughout many different cultures, but I'm sure there was also cultures in the past where maybe women were too highly valued to be put up to something like that, right? Like, women would never be, right. like, subjected to, like, you know, today, like, um, in some Western kind of Christian ideologies, like, women are need to be protected. Like, that could have still happened in the past. They could have been fighting. Like, it's a bit, yeah, it was, it's very hard to identify that, too. Like, we're only just, re like, like, starting to come to a realization of how flawed some of these methods that we thought were so good in the past really are. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's hard. That is definitely not the direction I thought you were going to go with it. I, I, I feel like I knew the answer, but I was like, right, skeletons. That's why, like, like the flawed science of this, like, weird way we identify gender and race in skeletons. Yeah, yeah and you can't, I mean, you can't know anything about gender from a skeleton. Also, yeah. you can maybe know maybe about sex. Maybe sex, not gender, yeah. Right, right. Um, there's that really famous, like, archaeological find of like a over six foot viking covered in armor and when they found that skeleton in like the 1930s or whatever they were like oh this is a male king like a male viking king and then they uh like recently when dna analysis was a thing were like oh this is a woman yeah. <laughs> um genetic right. analyses have been a huge revolution in that it's like oh yeah <laughs> That's actually, that brings up one thing. Uh, someone was saying that Vikings didn't really have this, like, massive, like, layered armor. Now, like, I, I could be very, very wrong, but there was one criticism of this of this uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is that they didn't really wear armor. They wore tunics. They wore really minimal armor. They didn't wear much of anything other than that. And I was... My uh, thoughts are, like, why not hides? Like, if you've seen, like, an oxen or, like, a bison, like, some of those, like thick tundra animals if you got one or two layers of that on right. you'd be warm and i feel like the force you would need from yeah. an arrow penetration through that would be like a lot anyways you know what i mean not yeah. to mention that is the stuff that does not preserve archaeological yeah, exactly. right. archaeologically right. oh one last thing and this is just an interesting thing that i learned in preparation for this podcast and, and it's not a question but something that i found just dreadfully interesting in this game it's another one of those narratively interesting versus historically accurate things was Vikings didn't see a lot. They saw some, but they did not see a lot of active combat. Like Vikings in a fair fight with at that time, Saxons would have been unfair if for no other reason they didn't have the numbers. Uh, so what ended up happening is 
They would, like, sneak into villages in the middle of the night and, like, kill people in their sleep. Like, it was a lot of, like, like Vikings were, were boogeymen. They were, like, spooky. Like, they sneaked around and, like, burned people's houses down while they slept in them. Like, it wasn't, like, they weren't the cool, sexy badasses with the face tattoos that we think about these days. It's just more narratively that was interesting. The Inuit, <laughs> right? Right. It was. It's more narratively interesting to be like, oh yeah, they were throwing axes around and like burning houses, you know, like with you know torches or whatever. Like, but it just it didn't. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of real active combat. They were they were like a ghost story almost. Yeah, yeah, I could believe it. I just thought that was yeah. cool. They also like were not able to stay alive in greenland for like any amount of time they froze so, to death, yeah right? they just no, no no but um they just they weren't that great honestly sure. <laughs> they also had a lot of like political things that were stopping them from from doing a lot but anyway thank you for letting me get that you know i thought that was cool. that is interesting yeah i i learned two intrinsically interesting things about sexual selection the other day too Tell us. well one was that like humans have the like one of the largest penises for like mammals because of sexual selection that women have selected that over time that we have proportionally done that to men which i think is interesting another um the dutch have done that to themselves as well because like they as a population are over six feet tall now like for men and women and I, like, yeah. read this article recently that was hypothesizing that it was also due to, like, sexual selection and, like, mating preferences and just, like, Dutch women and men preferentially selecting taller people in the last, like, few decades that it's literally, in a few generations, has changed their average height by, like, a significant... I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was, like, a significant amount so that they are, like, on average, like, inches taller than the rest of the population. Mm-hmm. I thought that was just cool. Sexual selection. and that how That's, cool. like, changing our genetics what that might look like in the future for archaeologists and anthropologists if they're looking at these skeletons being like what the hell's with this population of giants in this place (laughs) like you know (laughs) well and that's the thing is like i feel like we talk about behavioral evolution for modern humans a lot because that's the thing that we see the most change in but we don't talk about a lot of the like physical adaptations and it's true like there's absolutely stuff that is happening and even i i wonder what they would say about sexual selection for women. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, there's also the added thing of like plastic surgery, which I, so I kind of wonder how that would affect things as well, because, you know, you might naturally be a certain way, but then you change your body, but then you're selected for that. It's, you know, I, I do wonder. But not everybody's attracted to the same thing. Exactly. Not everybody is. Yeah. But you know there are still trends for sure i found the female warriors you guys sorry show me show me show me show me okay so this is um a kingdom that was called dahomey um that is in modern day benin and benin benin okay bye benin (laughs) um it's in modern it was uh, it's in what is modern day is benin um and they were the mino and they were like i guess amazons um, so, like, the king would, um, pick women at a young age because of, like, their strength, and then they would, like, take a blood oath. This is all from, uh, Diane Lyons' course, by the way. <laughs> I'm just reading my notes. Um, so they would take a blood oath to be, like, celibate, and they would, uh, be rewarded for their bravery. So they would, like, they would be the only ones allowed to live in the palace, 
with the king. They would make the pottery um, and they had their own slaves and they would fight in battles and they fought against the French and they freaked out the French because of how good they were in battle. Yeah, anyway, super cool. So yeah, hell yeah, women fought in battle. And they would like have to train all day. So they're like the Spartans of... Africa for women? Yeah, basically. And then she was also talking about how, like, when the king died, um, whichever man was, like, most favored by the women who lived in the palace would have the best chance of becoming king because, like, you needed to have pull with these women um, in order to be politically successful. I love it. Genetically, are people getting a better sense of humor? Because I feel like people naturally select for that a lot. Genetically predetermined? As a funny guy, I just feel like, I hope. I don't know if that's genetically predetermined. I don't, that would be an interesting anthropological (laughs) study. But humor is also like a very subjective thing. Exactly. I'm so sorry. I was trying to be funny. That was a joke. Clearly, I, So, yeah. You can't. You cannot claim to be no. a funny guy. It is, it's an interesting question, though. But you've also been selected for already, so. Aww. <laughs> anyway, all right. I think we're very off topic, and we've covered a lot. But yeah, this, I, I mean, this is a lot of fun. This is super interesting. Go play some video games. Yeah. Is the moral of this episode? Yeah. Um, oh, uh, um, the last two Assassin's Creed have a museum mode, an active museum mode, so you don't actually have to play through any of the missions. You get to just go to historical places and see beautiful locations without actually playing any of the games if you want to cool. treat it like an like a like an interactive museum. That's super awesome. cool. Yeah. That's very cool. It's unbelievably cool. Yeah. I mean, media is cool and so is archaeology and anthropology and that's why we're here. Thank you for joining us, Luke. Oh god, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Should I ask you my question that I ask guests? Yes. What do you think is the thing that at its core most pertains to people? Uh, I think it's probably number one with a bullet. Mario and Luigi. Okay. <laughs> All right. My video game dad. <laughs> that's it's having that a, is the thing. A wa evil evil version of you. That's right. Yeah. Having a wa. <laughs> so four evil brothers: Mario, Luigi, Waluigi, and. You know what? I'm going to give him an answer <laughs> based on that answer, which is that humans like um uh seeing representations of themselves and being a i can't i can't let me take this again uh what pertains most to people oh what a good question thank you so much for asking me um seeing representations of themselves Uh, being able to uh, uh, relate to people, being able, having a community. There you go. That's an answer. Okay. Yeah, how about that, gamers? We took this? Because you see yourself, well, you see yourself as Mario, uh, the mustache. That's right. Um, That's right. He's not Italian at all, uh, right. but Swiss. Okay, this is falling <laughs> apart. Okay, well, you're the one that didn't answer the question, <laughs> so I think anyway. playing. Oh my god! <laughs> Lulu, you and me, we, we, we're connected. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, this is terrible podcast. <laughs> it's free. I think it's, it's a free wonderful. podcast, everybody. Quick reminder, this is for free. <laughs> <laughs>
that is this free. We're not being paid for this. Um, and again, we're asking for your money. The day companies, money. come on. <laughs> yeah. We talked about urinals today. I genuinely did not open a bidet on Christmas, and I'm mad about it still. Right. Oh. Oh. Matt was like, I looked into it. They don't have them at Home Depot. I was like, they don't? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, no. Luke got one, so you can. Uh, what? Uh, what did I get? A bidet. Oh, yeah, bidets. They're great. Definitely get one. They're fantastic. Don't give them free uh, advertising. No, oh, yeah, no. They're going to say what kind of bidet, <laughs> but I'll give you a hint. It squirts water into your butt. Ooh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, f- I realized I forgot to do a joke at the beginning of this, so you get your joke now. So, um, why are archaeologists so fickle in relationships? Oh. I don't know. Why? They're always dating. Does we do so much dating? They're always dating other people. Oh, they really came for us. <laughs> oh, man, archaeologists. Ah, they suck. You've been roasted, way. archaeologists. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, by the way, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. Is anyone from, oh, it's my pleasure. Can I shout someone else? Yeah. Okay. If, if anybody from Ubisoft is listening, you're welcome on this show anytime. <laughs> I am inviting you as the guest. <laughs> You're also welcome in our home. Oh, actually, it would be really cool to, like, interview one of the archaeologists or, or historians that work on video games. Let's try See, I bet you they contract that out. They wouldn't just have them on staff. No. No. But you could find one of the contracted ones. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thank you for listening to our form of media, which is this podcast. We, uh, <laughs> it's our voices out in the world. Um, thank you for listening. You can always go to our website for all of the resources and um, references for this episode, uh, which is pertaining to people.com. And you can go to our Instagram and Twitter that I have not been active on at all recently. Sorry about that. Um, which is Instagram at pertaining to people and Twitter at people pod. And, uh, we love you. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful 2021. Goodbye, my people, my pertaining to people. <laughs> Even people. our pixelated people. Shout out to all the people. <laughs> Yay! <laughs>